Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another episode of T for C. If you're interested in marketing, specifically in the Silicon Valley technology industry, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest has 25 years of experience working for a range of companies, including as their chief marketing officer, also known as CMO. But before I introduce you to the wonderful Ben Kiker, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that gives you an exclusive peek at that week's episodes and its guests. And it is super easy to sign up. Just go over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Ben Kiker, the founder of the Ben Kiker Group, in which Ben works with top performers and with organizations to identify the roadblocks that are standing in the way of their respective transformation. He helps them develop a plan that incorporates Ben's six essentials to GSD, or getting shit done, to ensure successful outcomes. By the way, if you want to learn more about how Ben gets shit done, and as part of that, how he kicked the shit out of his own addictions, make sure to check out the show notes for this episode to see if the main Time for Coffee interview I did with Ben has already dropped. And before I say hello to Ben, I want to apologize to Ben and to all of our listeners I'm in a construction zone right now and I've got hammering and sawing and all kinds of shit that's happening right next door to me. So huge apologies. And without further ado, Ben, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am absolutely caffeinated. I am ready to go. By the way, I am not hearing any of that noise that you referenced yet. And before we get going, big shout out and congrats on you recently crossing the 200th episode mark of T4C. By the way, the best of 200th mashup is so good. I'm halfway through <laughs> it and I can't wait to finish it. Oh, aren't you sweet? Thank you so much. Well, I had fun putting that together and kind of reminiscing. And it was really hard to pick just a handful of my favorite clips because honestly, there are favorite parts to every single episode. And I have no doubt, Ben Kiker, that you are going to be on a best of T for C when that comes down the pike when we hit our 300th. So 
you know, I am super excited for this opportunity. And thank you. With this Espresso Shots episode, we're going to be focusing not on what you do now as a full-time coach, but what you did prior to that, prior to 2015, when you had spent 25 years as of that point in the world of marketing in Silicon Valley. And for many of them, as I said, as a chief marketing officer, does that work for you? That works for me. I'm ready to do it. Awesome. Okay. First, Espresso Shop. What entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into marketing in Silicon Valley? Yeah, so the good news is there are definitely opportunities. I'll share two. One is becoming what we term a market development or business development rep. So these tend to be entry-level roles of individuals who are working to connect prospects, others might be interested in our product or service. There's a lot of good training, a lot of good hands-on knowledge transfer that occurs in that role. Another area for entry-level folks is around marketing technology. So marketing today, particularly the kind of business-to-business or B2B marketing that I specialize in, there's just a huge technology stack that allows marketing teams to GSD and do what they need to do. And lots of great opportunities for folks to come in and be a part of that technology. And I want to add one other thing that I would also suggest to your listeners is for any path, whether it is looking for a marketing role or another role, I really encourage folks to optimize for an entry-level job that gets you as close as you can to customers, the people that actually pay for and consume a product or service. When you do that, you have a great opportunity to understand what customers value, and that is essential and valuable to any business in any industry. So stay close to customers. And what are those roles that are closest to customers? Are they the ones that you outlined, Ben, that are those entry-level positions? Correct. Those will let you get close to customers. And again, in any function of an organization that you're looking at for an entry-level role, I would simply optimize for how much interaction, market-facing work will take place so I can learn as much about the market, as much about customers as I possibly can. Great. What about a useful skill or skills that you looked for, Ben, in the young people that you hired when you were a chief marketing officer and in various other roles? Yeah. So three things I look for. First and foremost is adaptability. We live in an era of accelerated disruption, accelerated interruption. So someone's ability to successfully adapt to that is critical. Two, the ability to take people on a journey. Storytelling is essential to marketing. It's essential to business. And, you know, we're 22% more likely to remember a story than we are in terms of data. And then three, and probably no surprise, based on a great introduction they gave for me. I have a very strong bias for action. So I absolutely look for people who are wired to GSV. Okay. Can I just get a little more clarification as to how someone's adaptability can be illustrated? So someone comes in for an interview What is the question that you usually would ask or the types of questions that you would ask? And what are the kinds of examples 
young people should have in the back of their head that they can serve up in response to that question? So tell me a story about the time that you were working on a project and a unexpected roadblock came up in that project. What was that roadblock? What are the actions that you took to successfully navigate over that roadblock and get programmed back on track? Great. I could give you an example right now from this morning. In my own personal life, Ben, I went out to drive my 15-year-old to camp and we have a very old Volvo station wagon. Couldn't even get the door open, had to use the key. The automatic key didn't work. Went in the motor was dead. I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? I can't get him to camp, right? So it's like call AAA. And then I'm thinking, well, they're not going to get here for at least an hour or more. How do I get the kid to camp? Thank God for Uber. So, I mean, would you accept- There you go. That's 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 adaptability right there. Thank God for Uber. You know, my first thought, but that's an awesome story, Andrew, because your first thought was, Okay, we need a backup. And next thought was, how about AAA? Then the recognition that that wouldn't work because of the time that it would take for AAA to get there. Next plan is Uber and we're back on track. Absolutely. And I think the reason that I raise that from my own personal life, not that I don't have a million examples from work life, but I think maybe for a young person who's in college, maybe they've only had one or two internships, they may not have real life examples from their work life, but they can certainly think of examples where they've had to be adaptable in their personal life or in their school life, right? Correct. Absolutely correct. And those are great examples. And look, by the time someone has completed high school, they've done whatever they're doing post high school, whether it's, you know, immediately starting off college or doing the work and then going to college, they will have had one or two or three or even four situations where what they were planning to do or the path that they set out, something interrupted that path. Yeah. And just be able to tell. So my coaching is be able to craft and tell a good story or two around one of those interruptions, even if the interruption is more life-focused than work-focused. Wonderful. Speaking of things that are life focused and that were focused in your own life, Ben, is someone's major a deciding factor to get into the world of marketing? And maybe you could just share a very quick hint about your own backstory in that regard. So my initial answer is no, it is not required. My own journey is I graduated from high school, attended Southern Methodist University in Dallas for a year, decided to take a semester off to work full time, and then never went back after that. So I found that I really enjoyed working. I was learning a lot. It provided a lot of great experiences for me. And that was the path that I stayed on. Fantastic. Now, what about a graduate degree, and this is less so, of course, for entry-level physicians for a young person who wants to break into this industry, and more so for someone who wants to get into the C-suite. There are some absolute advantages that a graduate offers to someone who is moving into a leadership role. 
that could include a deeper understanding of strategic processes, how to approach a broader set of challenges that an organization may encounter, but just also tremendous networking that you do when you're getting your graduate degree. Having said that, because I didn't finish undergrad, I don't have a graduate degree. And at some point, the for me, the thousands of hours of experience, and I would say the results that I was able to show for that experience became more valuable than a graduate degree as I continued to progress in my career. Yeah. And I found the same thing in my case. While I did finish undergrad, I went right into the working world. And before I knew it, I felt like I had gotten a real world graduate degree in journalism. And then I pivoted into other fields. But I totally agree with you. Ben, what kind of life experiences do you think are most useful for a young person starting out in marketing in Silicon Valley? I'd say I love life experiences, examples of life experiences where people have had to navigate different stakeholders, sometimes with conflicting priorities. So this could be an involvement in student government. It could be an involvement in a nonprofit. It could be an involvement in some sort of team-based activity or sport. Typically, in those environments, as you know, Andrew, you're going to have, again, different stakeholders that are at times going to have different, sometimes conflicting priorities. And how do you really navigate that to keep the ball uh, moving down the field to get to the outcome that they're trying to get to? Great. And my goodness, I think just about everyone has had one of those experiences. I'm guessing by the time they graduate from college. What for you, Ben, was the best part of being in the field of marketing? Awesome, awesome question. You know, I loved when my team would hear the following, you took us to the next level. When other people in the company or other people in the markets that we competed in would recognize the collective work that my team did, to take the company to the next level, whatever, however you define that. Market presence, revenue momentum, valuation of the company, hearing you helped us get to that next level. Love that part. Wonderful. Ben, what is the best career advice that you've ever gotten? When I relocated from Dallas, Texas to the Bay Area, one of my mentors at the time in Dallas said, you need to stay for at least a year. No matter what happens, at least stay for one year. And then at the end of that year, if you decide this isn't for me, the environment, then you can come back. And I am incredibly grateful for that feedback because that first year, Andrea absolutely had its challenges. And I heard that feedback. I kept that feedback close to me, and that was 28 years ago, and here I am in the Bay Area. (laughs) And why do you feel that made a difference? Because if you hadn't heard that, you might have left the Bay Area? I would have left too soon. I would have left too soon. And I would not have been able to navigate through some of the roadblocks that I experienced in that first year, moving to a new area, not being very connected with people moving into a new job, there were a whole 
set of things that I was experiencing for the first time. And some of them were challenging, not to mention when I moved to the Bay Area, the country had just entered an economic recession. So it was just a very challenging period and very challenging period. And I am incredibly grateful that I stuck it out and worked through some of those challenges. So I interviewed one of the first time for coffee interviews that I did way back was with Dr. Arthur Brooks, who just stepped down as the president of the American Enterprise Institute, which is a think tank here in the Washington, D.C. area. He is an economist by training, and he said, based on his research, it takes pretty much everyone 18 months in a new job before they can really gauge whether or not it's a good fit. So I think that great advice that you got 28 years ago really kind of is in line with that. You need to take a deep breath and not be impatient and not be so hard on yourself and really make a decision that could, in fact, be the wrong decision too soon. Dr. Brooks is absolutely correct. And by the way, part of your 200th mashup episode that you included from that original interview with him, super, super powerful, super, super powerful. And the way that I think about it is in that first 18 months, and I think this would be very helpful for your listeners. Think about in that first 18 months, you're really building a foundation, right? You're building a foundation. So that's the focus for that first 12 to 18 months. Yeah, definitely. And what he said in that 200th episode, which really stuck with me, is the faith, family, and friends. The fact Oh, that's huge. Right? That's like a tweetable moment right there, <laughs> right? Just pay attention to. And what I love about that is when I coach folks today that get stuck or feel frustrated, hit the pause button, pull up, and paying attention to things like faith and family and friends so incredibly powerful because it gets back to the two things that we ultimately truly control, the attitude that we show up with and the actions that we're able to take. And I can take an action of paying attention to those three things. Love it. So three final espresso shots, Ben. What? Yes. (laughs) What is the part, and and I leave it up to you as to how you want to take this, either of your current job as a coach or your last job as a CMO that sucks the most? (laughs) I'm going to answer it from the CMO perspective. And that one is super easy. Are you ready for it? I am ready. Everyone has an opinion on the website. (laughs) And I can't tell you how many conversations started with the following. Hey, do you just have two minutes so I can give you feedback on the website? And 30 minutes later, I'm thinking, I can't get time back. We don't get time back. Yeah. And I'm guessing that happened many, many times every week. Yes. On a regular recurring basis. As far as anyone's feedback on my website, having said that, I am all ears. I would love feedback from the Time for Coffee community and absolutely from you, Ben Kiker, who is an expert on all of that, because I just kind of made it up. I worked with a great developer 
And I had never done the creative on a website before. And so I was just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall. But I can totally (laughs) get why that would have been so frustrating and why that would have sucked incredibly. Although let's punctuate with this. I always remind folks, feedback is a gift. So we'll leave it at that. (laughs) So long as they can give it in two minutes. (laughs) All right, Ben. What movies, if any, or fiction books accurately depict your current profession or your last one? I'm going to answer it with the current profession. And I got to tell you, this one really stumped me. In fact, it stumped me so much that I had to call my sister Paige, who is awesome with movies. And when I asked her the question, her answer was, it's Jerry Maguire. And, And when we talked about it, and she helped remember on essentially the plot of the film. He has a moment of clarity and is able to help people in a more profound, meaningful way. I thought, that's it. That's it. So, Jerry Maguire. You got it. It's going in show notes. (laughs) Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about the profession of marketing in Silicon Valley? I think the big thing that they would be surprised to learn is how most folks in Silicon Valley don't really understand the role of marketing. Technology companies tend to be started with a product idea. And so early people inside of an organization tend to have a product background. They're really good at building and creating something. But then what it actually takes to market and bring that to market, often that DNA isn't with the company at the beginning. Therefore, if you join an organization early on in marketing, you might find that a lot of what you're doing early on is really helping the rest of the organization understand what marketing is all about and the value that marketing can provide. Is there a headline, maybe one or two bullet points that you used as kind of your go-tos to explain the value of marketing to those computer engineering wonks? So number one is... Marketing sets the tone and the pace, both within the market that we're competing in, but also within the organization. And the second is, you got to take people on a journey. You've got a great product, a great concept, but you have to translate that in a way that you're taking them on a journey. And that's the big value, really, where marketing can step up in a meaningful way. Wonderful. That was great. I was curious to hear what you were going to say because it's not my field. So thank you so much for rolling with the punches there (laughs) with that last, the 11th espresso shot that I just threw at you. Ben, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. And I want to just remind our listeners, if they want to learn more about what Ben is doing now as a fabulous coach and how he has kind of found his way both professionally and personally to become more of a coach on not just organizational development and professional 
development, but also on addiction and how he can help people who have and may be struggling with addiction right now. Check out the show notes to see if the main T4C interview with Ben has already dropped. So Ben, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.